This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. Patient experience in 2022, patient satisfaction, consumerism in medicine, these are important concepts. And, and no longer can we, can we hide behind uh, the data. Patients increasingly uh, have an interest in their health care, uh, some of it driven by what they have to pay out of pocket. And so um, it, it's important for us in quality to provide that data to patients. It's, it's their data. Welcome to Gastro Broadcast, brought to you by Gastrologics. I'm your host, Michael Weinstein. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Costas Kafalis of Akron Digestive Disease Consultants in Ohio. Dr. Kafalis received his medical degree from the Northeast Ohio Medical University and did his GI fellowship at Baylor University in Dallas, Texas. He's very active in our GI societies, currently serving as a trustee on the ACG Board of Trustees and as president of GI Quick which collects and reports on all those quality indicators for colonoscopy. He is also a co-founder and the founding president of the Ohio Gastroenterology Society. Let's see what he's been up to lately. Dr. Kafalis, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, that's great. Um, I, we have not had much of a chance to cross paths over the years, so I think we'll, I'll get to learn as much as all of our listeners. Um, first, when did you become interested in healthcare? How, uh, growing up, when did you become interested in becoming a gastroenterologist? So I was in high school and uh, my father suffered from autoimmune hepatitis and uh, he developed end-stage liver disease, uh, cirrhosis, was being cared for at the Cleveland Clinic at the time, which did not have a liver transplant program. And he ended up having uh, the transplant at the University of Pittsburgh. And so that sparked my interest not only in, in healthcare and medicine in particular, but also uh, hepatology and, and gastroenterology. And, and sub subsequent to that, uh, and he did, did well for many years, and subsequent to that, uh, when I was a resident in internal medicine, I had um, really made my decision after rotating on the GI service and sort of solidified my initial interest. Uh, very good. So I understand the drawback to the Cleveland area, that's where you were from, uh, but why, what were the choices that you had coming out of fellowship uh, for jobs and why private practice? So both in residency as well in fellowship, I had the opportunity to, to work with a number of uh, private practitioners who uh, trained residents and, and certainly trained fellows at Baylor in Dallas and I, I like the autonomy of what the private practice offered and uh, to some degree I also had an interest in the business of medicine and uh, uh, managing aspects of the practice whether it be HR uh, or you know the, the finances and so that interest is what drew me into private practice over uh, academics and you know had a number of outstanding academic uh, mentors as well in training but uh, private practice won out for me that's great um, uh, 
So I have to switch it up a bit because you have an interesting background, I hear, that I hear you're a drummer in an acoustic Greek band, uh, the Aegean Odyssey. How often, well, how often do you get to do that? What's that like? So that's right. It's, uh, it's my golf is what it is. I'm not a golfer. I'm a drummer, I tell people. So uh, uh, I, I got into this in, in college, no less. I had to uh, use up a semester with an elective and I took drum lessons. And so that was the, the beginning of my uh, musical uh, drumming. And so over the years, I've been involved with a number of different uh, units, different uh, musical groups. And, and so this Aegean Odyssey, uh, my brother, who's an ICU doc, plays the bass. My cousin, who's a plastic surgeon, plays the guitar. And we have a couple of other guys. And we play at least once or twice a year, usually at the local Greek festival. We've done a wedding, uh, another Greek uh, get together. And so, you know, we practice monthly usually and we perform a couple times a year and and it's great i mean it's classic uh, greek songs acoustically and um uh, it's just such a wonderful uh release to do that and uh, a couple of other projects i'm working with uh, the, the american college of gastroenterology uh, formed a band uh, during the pandemic it's a virtual band called the beacons and so all of the the members are board members and uh, so we've been doing some things uh, online, which is a challenge, no less, uh, given the, the uh, Internet and all of that. But and then, of course, my solo work uh, once uh, a week or every couple weeks, I sit on my drum set with the head headphones and play along and record for myself. And it's a really nice way to clear your head. Sounds like definitely a shorter distraction than a round of golf. <laughs> For sure. So uh, I think that's great. Um, I, I read an article recently in Gastro and Endo News, uh, speaking of your work with GI Quick, um, which I'm sure is of interest to many of our listeners. Uh, when it comes uh, to ADR, there's no such thing as TMI. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your work with GI Quick. Why you think adenoma detection rates uh, should be made public, and other issues maybe going on at GI Quick? For sure. So, as many may know, GI Quick is the the largest GI data registry uh, in the country. We have close to 35, 40 percent of all gastroenterologists uh, participating, and at present. We have two modules, essentially the colonoscopy module and the endoscopy module. And just to take a step back, why have a registry? Why measure these things? Why report them not only to physicians, but eventually uh, to patients? You can't change what you don't measure. And it's the fundamental principle of, of quality dating back 100 years. And so how can we be of best service to our patients in terms of adenoma detection rates, equal intubation, et cetera. Everyone knows the, you know, what the, the criteria are. The fact is, since 2011, when GI Quick started, every year since then, the adenoma detection rate overall in the registry has increased. And we all know that the higher the adenoma detection rate, the more we do in our fight against colon cancer for our patients. And so to add to that, 
patient experience in 2022, patient satisfaction, consumerism in medicine, these are important concepts. And, and no longer can we, can we hide behind uh, the data. Patients increasingly uh, have an interest in their healthcare, uh, some of it driven by what they have to pay out of pocket. And so um, it, it's important for us in quality to provide that data to patients. It's, it's their data. I agree. I agree. I think uh, I, uh, it's a big focus, obviously, in a group as large as mine, but in any group, in any size. Um, For sure. I think we're, we've even started to think about the uh, option of an adenomas per colonoscopy, an APC. Is that, yes. is that something that you think that GI Quick is going to be able to tackle? It, it, it's certainly something that, you know, we're considering. It's it's not something we're ready to move into prime time yet, but I, I will r- relate to you and to the listeners some of the exciting things that are on deck at GI Quick. Um, these include non-procedural metrics. And the, the first of which that we've been working on now for a year is for inflammatory bowel disease. And so quality in, in GI cannot be limited to colonoscopy and upper endoscopy. The, the opportunity uh, to improve things it, it goes across the spectrum of diseases for which we uh, care for. So uh, as, um, as somebody who's also been very active in national societies, I have followed your path a little bit. You obviously are in a relatively small practice. What drove you to become involved in our national societies? Well, initially, Michael, it was a desire to participate in advocacy, uh, both both at the state level and at the federal level. And as you know, the, the ACG has this governor structure across all of the states where uh, members can uh, run for office and be elected as a governor by their peers. And Ohio is one of the handful of states that has two governors, one for the North, one for the South. So I ran for governor back in, in 2008 at uh, 35, 37, and, and that sort of started my, my path and um, did that for a couple of terms and then had the, uh, the privilege of being selected to serve as uh, vice chair of our board of governors, which is now 77 governors, uh, and then as chair of the board of governors. And that those positions, those roles really gave me the opportunity to follow through with talking to our constituent members and uh, advocating um, in Washington, D.C., advocating in Columbus for state-related measures. And really, with my co-governor at the time, uh, got us thinking about having a state GI society in Ohio, which at the time, as large a state as Ohio was, uh, there, there was no state GI society. Yeah, that's uh, it's very interesting, and I really commend you on your uh, work on these issues that obviously affect so much more than just your practice. Um, any advice to younger physicians coming out of fellowship about the importance of being involved in in societies, the importance of advocacy? I'd love to hear your um, your feeling about that, Costas. So you know, as gastroenterologists, much like any specialty in medicine, we are in a unique position to understand 
what the non-medical sort of legislative practice related challenges are. And I personally see my role as um, sort of a responsibility, an obligation to go speak to the people that have legislative authority, that have administrative authority at our national agencies or even at the state agencies, the director of medical insurance, for example, why do I have to try three biologics before I, I select the biologic that my patient and I feel is best for him or her? And, you know, some of it, some of it is, you know, we, we go up against larger lobbies than our own, the insurances, the insurance companies, the hospitals. But some of it is just ignorance. So some of our legislators are just not in tune or understand what happens every day in our practices. And so, you know, rather than continue only only appealing on a daily basis doing these appeals, you know, we can make an impact at a higher level by changing the policy at, at, at the root, root of the problem. And so sometimes we're successful, sometimes we're not. But I think it's certainly worth worth pursuing those efforts on behalf of our patients. Uh, but you have to ha be at the table. Uh, you have to come and sit and dedicate the time to be at the table. And you've certainly uh, been a great advocate for not just your practice, not just for yourself, not just for your practice, not even just for Ohio, but for gastroenterology across the country. Um, any any other couple of pieces of advice you have for uh, fellows coming out of practice as to what they should be thinking about in their careers? You know, uh, employed, private practice, with everything that's going on in GI um, these days. And any tidbits that you tell people? Sure. No, and 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 that's I appreciate your your comments. And um, you know, having been in practice now almost 20 years this this year, it. The reality is there, there are pros and cons with whatever career choice you choose. Sometimes, myself included, when I first came out, I thought, you know, there's <laughs> private practice is, you know, 100% going to be great and, and, and academics maybe not so much. But the truth is there's, there's uh, things we like and don't like whatever we choose. And, and you, just, you have to ask yourself, you know, what outweighs one or the other you have three or potentially four years of fellowship you've you know hopefully had experiences in, in both in both realms and make the choice based on what you think you will be happy with and, and it's okay to change courses right i mean some people go into uh, private practice and three to five years down the road they decide it's not for them and they go into academics or vice versa and, th and that's okay but you have to ask yourself what your interests are, what priorities you have. For me, autonomy was a, a, a very big uh, priority to be able to take a couple hours and go see uh, you know, my daughter's uh, school play and come back to work and, and basically you know, to tell the manager this is what I'm doing as opposed to um, you know, asking three different people and uh, getting permission. So identify your interests and and pursue that which uh, stands out for you. Well, I think that's really great advice um, uh, and, and really something important that fellows need to think about and, and young careerists. Uh, if, we, if you make the choice and it turns out to be the best choice you ever made when you first start, that's great. But if it's not turning out well, it's 
you're young enough to make a a, a career shift. It's uh, it's okay. Um, I do really appreciate you being on, uh, joining us today on Gastro Broadcast, Dr. Fowles. It was really a pleasure having you with us. Well, thank you very much, Michael. I enjoyed this very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.